James chapter 2, verse 23. You might have this memorized by now, but last couple Sundays I've started off with this verse. It says, And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith Abraham believed God, and it was imputed to him, it was counted for him as righteousness because he believed. And he was the friend of God. I want to be the friend of God, don't you? Amen. That's a good friend to have is God. Amen. Our key word that we've focused on is believing, which is more than just sitting in your sofa and just saying, I believe, I believe in God. But it's to have faith in, it's to entrust, and it's to commit when you believe. Amen. Only if one believes in something can one act with purpose. So, Believing makes us to act. Amen? Praise God. You may be seated. We talked about how Abraham was called, and he's called the father of the faithful, and we hear about him and read about him and his example all throughout the Word of God. We know that he did three different things that we talked about, and his steps of faith was one of them was separation. That's what belief will cause you to do is to separate to turn around, to go in a new direction. It'll cause you to sacrifice, to build the altar unto the Lord, call upon his name. It will help you to develop a prayer life, amen? And it'll help you to be steadfast. No matter what comes, no matter what the winds are, no matter what the waves are in your life, you're you're just gonna be steadfast. You're gonna keep going because you believe. You believe in God. You know that he's able. You know that he's there, even though sometimes we can't feel him, even though the evidence sometimes is not there, God is there. He's everywhere. He's always there. Hallelujah. And I don't care what you're going through this morning. Amen. God is there. He knows all about your situation. He's not gone on vacation. He's not asleep. Amen. He is there, very present with you. And so hang in there. Keep believing in God and keep trusting in him. Amen steadfast. Separation, sacrifice, and steadfastness is what we saw in Abraham's life, and that's how we have to live our lives. The first week we talked about believing, how it shows that action, and really it's, if we will, in our Bible study for today, it's repentance. It's an about face. It's, it's saying, I don't want to go this way. I want to go another way. And repentance is just not a one-time thing either, amen? Repentance is something that we should do every day because it's determination of what you believe. You get up this morning and you believe, amen, and you say, Lord, I repent of going my own direction. I want to go your direction. I, I wanna, we're always fighting against this flesh and against the desires of our will, amen? We're always coming uh, against those things, but when we really believe, amen, Mark chapter 115 say, it says this, it says, in saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Hallelujah. And I know I'm talking to a bunch of believers here today, amen, but when we truly believe, it helps us to make a change in our lives, and we're always changing our lives and going in the direction that we, we know that is God's direction. Last week, we talked about when you're a believer, then you become sealed. Abraham was sealed with the sign of circumcision in the flesh. 
we are sealed with the Holy Spirit, which is a circumcision of the heart, the inside. Amen. Ephesians 1.13 says, In whom also uh, you trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, everybody say believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Amen. So repentance is in our life, and then we need the Holy Spirit. That's a sign, that's a seal that God is in you. And then today we're going to talk about, if you know anything about the plan of salvation, we're going to talk about baptism. Amen. Believers are baptized in Jesus' name. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. Matthew 3, verse 13, it says, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John, John the Baptist, to be baptized of him. For John forbade him, but John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and thou comest to me. Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. And he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, lighting upon him, and a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So Jesus Christ, the man, God manifested in the flesh, he walked on this earth, and he came to John the Baptist, John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus, to be baptized of him. Now, how many knows Jesus didn't need to be baptized. He didn't need remission of sins because there was no sin in him. He's God Almighty. Y'all know that? He did not need to be baptized. Amen. So why would he be baptized? That's a, it's a strong note for us to realize that, hey, Jesus got baptized, right? So if Jesus got baptized, I need to be baptized. Jesus didn't need to be baptized, but he did it he told John, and John pointed that out. He said, I, John said, I need to be baptized of you. I don't need to be baptized in you. And Jesus said, suffer it to be so now, for we have to do this. Amen. And so they did. All right. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ Neither is there Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So here again, we have Abraham thrown in here because he's the father of the faithful. He says, as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. Amen. So this week, we want to look at the necessity of being baptized. James, the first uh, two, verse 23, the scripture we read, I want to read a few more scriptures in that same chapter, but said, the scripture was fulfilled, which saith Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Verse 24, you see then how that by works, a man is justified, and not by faith only. And the reason I'm pointing this out is because, you know, a lot of people say, well, baptism is a work, amen, but 
we need to understand that faith without works is dead being alone. Verse 26, for, the, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Now, we're not going to get into this, but just let me put this disclaimer out here that when it says we're not saved by works, but we're saved by grace, it simply means you can't do anything. You can't climb the highest mountain or you can't give enough food out to the homeless and all these things. You can't do enough of that to earn salvation. It comes through faith by grace. Amen. Grace through faith. Faith is believing. Believing is action. So, for that as the body uh, without the spirit is dead, if you have no spirit in this body, it dies, it's dead. So, faith without works is dead also, okay? So, let's look at John chapter 3, verse 16, and this is the world's verse. Everybody here can probably quote it. Let's back up to verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world, this is the verse here, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So they pick this scripture out of there and they say, see, all you have to do is believe. Well, that's true. You got to believe. But if you really believe, then you're going to act. Amen. That's the world's famous verse, but it has to be read in the context of the whole chapter and the whole Bible, actually. But you don't have to go very far for this one. In John chapter three, if we back up the same chapter, this conversation was with a man by the name of Nicodemus a ruler of the Jew, Jews, um, verse number two, and, it came, and the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, or in other words, pay attention, verily, not just verily, but verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, truly, truly, surely, surely, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of the water, everybody say of the water, and of the Spirit, of the Spirit. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Pretty plain words right there, right? So water baptisms, being born of the water, receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, evidenced by speaking in other tongues, is being born again of the Spirit. So there are stipulations, if you will, on believing. And we read about these in the last couple of weeks, but I want to reiterate them. The first one comes in John chapter 7 and verse 38. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe, everybody say that believe, should receive. Amen? So if you believe, you should receive. Amen? For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. 
because they're one in the same thing. Jesus said, I'm with you now, but I'm going to be in you. Amen. I'm going to pray to the Father. He's going to send the Spirit unto you. Amen. And so he's, the Holy Spirit was sent after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Mark chapter 16, verse 15. So there we find, if you believe, you should receive the Holy Ghost. Here in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, he said um, unto them, he, this is God, uh, Jesus speaking to his disciples, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So if you believe and you're baptized shall be saved, he that believeth not shall be damned. <clears throat> in verse 17, reiterate, speaking in tongues, these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils and they shall speak with new tongues. Amen. <clears throat> so the great commission is brought out here is what they call scholars would call the great commission in Mark chapter 16. This is at the end of Christ's uh, ministry upon the earth. He's already been crucified, rose again, and he appears unto his disciples. He appeared unto them, the Bible tells us, for 40 days. He was seen up to 500 different disciples. Amen. So there's great evidence that this actually took place. Amen. And they're recording all this. And he's, but so this is right before he goes back into heaven. These are his last words that he wants them to know. He that believeth on me and is baptized shall <clears throat> be saved. And if they believe, they're going to speak with new tongues. That's part. That's Mark's version of the Great Commission. Excuse my voice here. Matthew, the book of Matthew, the book of Mark, and the book of Luke and John, they're the Gospels. Tell about the life of Christ, right? His death, burial, resurrection. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are what they call the synoptics. They're closely related in their whole stories. John's a little bit different. But they're closely, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are real close in, in the, in the storyline, if you will, of how they tell it. But they all give a little bit of a different version. And sometimes we explain it like if you have four people, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, standing on four corners of an intersection. An accident happens in the middle of the intersection. The police come. They want to get a report. They interview all the guys. They're also the same accident, right? <clears throat> but they saw it from a different angle. So that's kind of how this is. This is Mark's version <clears throat> of the Great Commission. Luke's version is found in Luke 24, verse 44 through 49. And Luke's version is a great version because Luke wrote both Luke and he also wrote the book of Acts. So if you read those two, they just flow together there. But in verse 44 of Luke 24, he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. It's at this time, you know, that when Jesus was here on his ministry and uh, the disciples just didn't seem to get it, you know, that we don't understand, we don't comprehend. And, <clears throat> but he opens up their understanding to the Old Testament scriptures at this time 
And so that they know, they understand now what is going on. He said, thus it was written and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to raise from the dead the third day. Verse 47, and that repentance and remission of sins, that's baptism, remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise. This is the Holy Spirit. We talked about it last week. I send the promise of my Father unto you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. So here we have repentance, baptism, and then we have the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Matthew also records what they call the Great Commission, and this is what he records in Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, <clears throat> All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name, everybody say the name, of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world." So three different versions here, but they all are pointing to uh, basically the same thing that we're going to find in Acts. <clears throat> but as we look in Matthew 28, 19, and Trinitarians will point to this scripture. Excuse me. And say, well, see, this is the formula that Jesus gave them. But this is not a formula for baptism. If it was, or if it is, the disciples never used it because everywhere in the Bible, when anyone was baptized, they were always baptized in the name of Jesus Christ or in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. So more than anything, this would have been a revelation to the apostles. Remember, they're growing up on what? Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6, verse 4, where it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. They know nothing about any trinity. They don't think this isn't even a concept in their mind. They've always been drilled in them. There's one Lord. There's one God. Hallelujah. And that's what separated them from the world at that time. They used to, many of the different nations, they had multiple gods that they might worship. But Israel always were drilled into them from the time that they were a child. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Isaiah 43, verse 11 says, I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. There's no one beside God, amen? He has different manifestations. We believe in the Father. We believe in the Son. We believe in the Holy Spirit. They're just different manifestations of the same God. Trinitarians say that there's three distinct different persons, and we don't find that in the Word of God. If there is three distinct consciences or three distinct personalities, then that would be three that sits on the throne, but only one sits on the throne. Amen? And we're not talking really about oneness here today, but that's a, a short uh, study on that real quick. So this would have been something that would have been more of a revelation to them. Oh, okay. So we need to baptize them in the name. And now we know, understand that the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, this is all just one part of the same thing. And so when we look into the book of Acts and every scholar 
will agree, and every scholar will, um, you know, put this in the fact that the church begins in the book of Acts. That's where it doesn't matter what denomination you believe in or belong to, the book of Acts is where the church started. Acts chapter 1 is talking about who was there, talking about them being obedient to Jesus, going to Jerusalem, waiting for the promise of the Father. Amen. And they were there praying just like they were told to do. <clears throat> and then verse uh, 1 of chapter 2, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire sat upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. I want to just point that out because their commission is to go into all the earth to take it to all the nations. And here during this time, during this feast of Pentecost, we have every nation, there's devout men out of every nation under heaven. They're present. And just for the sake of time, the Holy Spirit's poured out. They begin to speak in tongues. Uh, we're not talking about that today, but I just want to point out the birth of the church. Uh, Acts chapter 12, or Acts chapter 2, verse 12. They were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? So they see this happening, all these devout men from every nation. They're seeing them speak in tongues. Others mocked and said, these are men, these men are full of new wine. In other words, others mocked and said, they're drunk. Okay. Verse 14, but Peter standing up with the 11. This is important. They're all there. Okay, it's not just Peter, but they're all there. Matthias has replaced Judas at this point, <clears throat> but they standing up with the 11. Now, 12 of them are there, are all the apostles. Same Mark was there, and Matthew was there. And he said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. These are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. So he tells them, they're wondering what's going on, everyone from every nation, Peter and the rest of the apostles stand up and says, this is what was prophesied, what we talked about last week, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and then, if you've never read it, you need to take time to read it or maybe even reread it, but the powerful message that Peter preaches there, <clears throat> we don't have time this morning to read it, but it's a powerful message that he begins to preach to all the Jews <clears throat> that Jesus was the Messiah, basically what it comes down to. And you crucified him. God hath made this same Jesus, I think, 36. Let's pick it up in 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know surely that God hath made this same Jesus whom you crucified. They said, you crucified him, but he is now both Lord and Christ. And when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. Okay? They were convicted. 
at some place, at some point in your life, in your walk with the Lord, if you're open to the Word of God, you will get pricked in your heart. You'll get convicted. And it should happen more than once. It seems to happen to me every time I come to the house of God. If you're open to what God's wanting to do, He's always leading you and guiding you. And they were pricked in their heart. And they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, I want to point this out, they're all there. Men and brethren, what shall we do? So this is the question that we should all be asking, right? And the answer is not, oh, just believe. Just believe in God. They were convicted, and they were saying, what do we need to do? What should we do? And Peter gives them the answer in verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. There's the remission of sins part. That's our baptism. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Through baptism, we receive the remission of sins. Think about that. When you're baptized, your sins are remitted. They're forgotten. They're pushed away. I know we all know that, but we need to remind ourselves Our sins have been remitted, forgotten. Can you say, thank you, Jesus? And so this thought comes to my mind. We have to be very careful when we judge somebody else. The Bible says, do not judge another person. For with with whatever judgment you measured out is going to be measured back to you. If you bring up somebody's past that's probably under the blood and you don't even know it, that means your past is going to be brought up. I don't know about you, but I don't want my past to be brought up. It's been remitted through repentance and baptism. Hallelujah. And bless God, I'm doing the best I can to make it to heaven, and I hope you are too. Amen. And so we don't judge another individual But the Word judges us, okay? The Word does judge us on what we need to do. What shall we do? Repent and be baptized. You need to be baptized if you've not been baptized, and you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and you shall receive the gift. It's a gift. It's The question comes to my mind, and why wouldn't you? It's a gift. It's a free gift, but we find that everybody did receive the Holy Spirit speaking in other tongues. So this, Acts chapter 2, verse 38, is a a direct fulfillment of the Great Commission that we read about in Mark 16 and Matthew 28 and Luke 24. He said, for the promise, he keeps going there in Acts 2, 39, the promise is unto you and to your children and to them that are far off. That's us. Aren't you thankful? That the promise is unto us, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words, they, can't, they couldn't even write them off, but he did preach. He did testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Save yourself. You've got to act on what you know. Amen. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same there, there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Amen. So we are Pentecostal by experience 
Anybody that's spoken in other tongues, receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is Pentecostal. And we call ourselves apostolic because we follow the apostles' doctrine. What did the Word of God say? What did the apostles do with what God had given to them? And so Acts gets its name from the Acts of the Apostles. Some say Acts of the Holy Spirit, either way. But it's what happened in the early church? What happened in the first church? Amen. It's not a primitive church, right? It's not what happened way back there. That's what they did back there. But we, we don't do that here. No, we need to realize that that's how it started back then and that's how we need to do it today. Amen? The apostles' doctrine. And we try to the best of our ability to get back to the Word of God, to jump over traditions, to jump, jump over all the, the nonsense that's been added into salvation over, over the years, and to realize that we need to get back to the Word of God. So Peter says, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. So where was Matthew, right? We know Matthew was there because it was Peter standing up with the 11. And if Peter was saying something wrong, don't you think Matthew would have said, well, wait a minute, Peter. You know, Jesus told us to baptize him in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. He didn't do that because they all understood that the name hallelujah, was Jesus Christ, hallelujah, baptizing them in the name of Jesus Christ. So we find five different instances in the book of Acts where we find people were being baptized. In Acts 2.38, we already read it. Also in Acts chapter 8, verse 14, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John whom when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost, okay? <clears throat> for as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost, okay? So here we have Philip goes down to Samaria, preaches the gospel, and they receive, they believe, right? And they get baptized, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, okay? But the Holy Spirit is so important, and it's a part of it, of your plan of salvation, is the fact that they sent Peter and John down to Samaria to help pray for these people because the Holy Ghost had not come on them yet. They were only baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> pointing this out here too because a lot of people will say, well, I believe that when you're baptized, you automatically receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, that's not the case here. They were baptized, but they hadn't received the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so they laid their hands and they say, well, it doesn't say they're speaking in tongues here. Well, it's pretty evident that something happened because there was a guy there by the name of Simon who was a sorcerer and he bewitched the people there and, and uh, before uh, Philip came down. and he, But when he heard Philip, he believed. Amen. And so when he saw the people receiving the Holy Ghost, he's, he wanted to give them money. Give me this power that when I lay my hands on people, they'll do this. So they did something, and we know that they spoke in other tongues. 
Amen. Acts chapter 10, verse 44 is the next place we find this. While Peter is going to Cornelius' house, and uh, Cornelius is a Gentile, and this causes a, a big stir because Peter is going down to preach to the Gentiles. The Jews and the Gentiles had no relationships but with each other. But God spoke to Peter, verse 45. They of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter. So Peter brought with him some Jews to Cornelius' house. Because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. So these guys that came with Peter, they were astonished that, hey, these guys got the Holy Ghost too. But it tells us here also in verse 46, for they heard them speak with, with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized? Be baptized is what he's saying. Once you get the Holy Ghost, so we find where in uh, Samaria, people got uh, baptized in Jesus' name. Then they got the Holy Ghost. Here we find they get the Holy Ghost first here while Peter's preaching. Amen. And he commanded them, verse 48, to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Amen. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. So here they are, he's preaching to these people, this group of Gentiles. So we have the Jews that received it in Acts chapter 2. We have in chapter 8 the Samaritans that received it. And now we have the Gentiles that received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Every instance they were baptized in the name of Jesus or in the name of the Lord. Amen. And they prayed him to tarry certain days. So here we find that he commanded them. He didn't say, it, you know, well, you know, it might be an extra blessing to you or it's a good idea maybe. No, he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Acts chapter 19, verse 1. Came to pass that while Paulus was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus Finding certain disciples, he said to them, two questions Paul's going to ask them here. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. We haven't heard about this. And he said unto them, what, unto them, unto what were you baptized? So once they hadn't heard of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, he, he thought, okay, well, how were you guys baptized then? And they said unto John's baptism, John the Baptist, okay? Then, Paul, uh, then said Paul, John very baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him, there's our believe again, which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, amen? And when Paul laid his hands on, upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. So these are disciples of John the Baptist, okay? This is who Jesus said there's no greater prophet, right? Now Paul comes and says, you know, well, you need to be rebaptized. They didn't say, no, we've got John's baptism. We were baptized by John the Baptist. They didn't say, you know who baptized Jesus? John the Baptist baptized Jesus. No, they didn't say that. When they heard it, Amen. And Paul was saying, if you believe on him, that's to come, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized 
in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them. They spake with tongues and prophesied. So here again, we find it's on the Gentiles now. Then in Acts, so we have the Jews, Jewish people. Samaritans were half Jew and half Gentile. And we have the Gentiles now all being baptized and receiving the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues. That's everybody. You're either Jewish, half Jewish, or you're a Gentile. Amen? Everybody. That whosoever, amen, John 3, 16, believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. We even find that, uh, that I do Acts 22, 16. This was Paul testifying, I believe, of his conversion. And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. That word calling means to invoke, to pronounce the name of the Lord. We know the name of the Lord is Jesus, amen? And Paul said that was, was his commandment was, arise and be baptized, amen? That's our commandment today. Arise, why are you tearing? Why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized in the name of the Lord. I want to look at 1 Peter chapter 3.18. <clears throat> we have some references even to the Old Testament, how they were symbolic of our baptism today. 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickeneth by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the, the saints in prison, which sometime were disobedient, when once the long-suffering God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. In other words, Noah, his three sons, and their three wives, eight souls, amen, and all the animals. That's how we know that animals don't have souls. So fluffy, he's not going to be in heaven. I'll just throw that in there. Eight souls were saved by what he may be. I don't know. God may allow that to happen. I don't know. <laughs> the like figure wherein even baptism doth also now save us. Amen. They were saved by the water, and he said baptism is that's symbolic of us being baptized, and that's how we are saved right now. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that our fathers were under the cloud and passed through the sea, and we're all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All baptized unto Moses in the cloud, the spirit, and in the sea. Baptism. This is almost a mirror of John 3, 5, where Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit. So even the Old Testament um, examples are given to us in the word. And in the epistles, we read about baptism says, for there is one body, one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. There is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. There's not many ways to get to God. There's one Lord. His name is Jesus. There's one faith, and there's one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. Can you say amen? amen. Colossians 2.11 
in whom also you were circumcised with circumcision made without hands in the putting off of the body, uh, sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are now risen with him through faith, the operation of God who raised him from the dead. We are buried with Christ. Our repentance is our death. We die out to ourselves, and then we get baptized. That's our burial. That's why you're submerged, that you're taken down under into the water. It's a burial. Amen. Romans chapter 6, verse 1 says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead in sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that as many as us were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. Amen. Running out of time, but I read these couple, I think in December, but history, you can even go into the history and you'll find that the baptismal formula was changed from the name of the Lord Jesus or from the name of Jesus Christ to the titles, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. The uh, Encyclopedia Britannica says the baptismal formula was changed from the name of Jesus Christ to the words Father, Son, and Holy Ghost by the Roman Catholic Church in the second century. So this is something that's historical, and I got many of these references here. We just don't have the time to read those today. But we understand that the Trinity, it's not found in the Bible. Amen. There's only one God. That's what the whole Bible is all about. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Amen. The early church always baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus until the development of the Trinitarian doctrine somewhere around the second century. So also says in regards to Acts chapter 2 verse 38 where Peter says repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. Name was an ancient synonym for person. Payment was always made in the name of some person referring ownership. Therefore, one being baptized in Jesus' name became his personal property. Amen. We are his personal property, ready for the redemption of that purchased possession. Amen. We've not been totally redeemed yet. Amen. We're still in this flesh. Woo. But one of these days, God is going to come back for his church No more suffering, no more problems, no more shame. Hallelujah. No more sickness. Amen. No more devil coming at you because the one small angel, they don't even name him, comes out from heaven with a chain, binds up the devil, and casts him into eternal fire. Amen. Amen. And one of these days, all that, all those things that are pushing against you spiritually, Amen. Just stay faithful. Amen. God's going to bless you. And one of these days we are going to be redeemed. Acts chapter 4 verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men. Whereby we must be saved. 
speaking of the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We've got to go. Am I over time? All right. Neither is there salvation in any other name. Is that clock wrong? 1015. I'm sorry. Oh, I got 1017. All right. Couple minutes over. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him, Philippians 2, verse 9, and given him a name which is above every name. Hallelujah. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's all stand this morning. Hallelujah. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's victory in the name of Jesus. Healing in the name of Jesus. We're saved by the name of Jesus. We're baptized in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen. Let's just lift our hands and love him. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah for the name that's above every name. We glorify you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. And we come before you with thanksgiving. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say, amen. God bless you. You're dismissed in the fear of the Lord.